A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, if the wicked man turns away from all the sins he committed, if he keeps all my statutes and does what is right and just, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the crimes he committed shall be remembered against him. He shall live because of the virtue he has practiced. Do I indeed derive any pleasure from the death of the wicked, says the Lord God? Do I not rather rejoice when he turns from his evil way that he may live? And if the virtuous man turns from the path of virtue to do evil, the same kind of abominable things that the wicked man does, can he do this and still live? None of his virtuous deeds shall be remembered, because he has broken faith and committed sin. Because of this, he shall die. You say, the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel. Is it my way that is unfair? Or rather, are not your ways unfair? When someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity he committed that he must die. But if the wicked, turning from the wickedness he has committed, does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Since he has turned away from all the sins that he committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. The word of the Lord. If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, who can stand? Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice in supplication. If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, Lord, who can stand? But with you is forgiveness that you may be revered. I trust in the Lord. My soul trusts in his word. My soul waits for the Lord more than sentinels wait for the dawn. Let Israel wait for the Lord. For with the Lord is kindness, and with him plenteous redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all their iniquities.
Dominus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Vangelii Secundum Mateo. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen. I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. Verbum Domini. The Gospel reading from Matthew today is taken from our Lord's Sermon on the Mount. And as part of our Lenten observance and our preparation for the celebration of Easter, perhaps it would be a good idea for us to take some personal time to prayerfully read through this sermon once again and to use it as a kind of examination of conscience. It is indeed a very challenging sermon. Yet it gets to the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And if we wish to be his disciple, then we must place ourselves at his feet and learn from his wisdom. We learn by listening to his words and following his example. Unlike any other preacher, Jesus perfectly practices what he preaches. His instruction concerning anger is quite apropos, especially in our own time. Anger is one of the most powerful feelings that human beings experience. It can be one of the most difficult for us to deal with in a healthy way. It appeals to our natural sense of justice, our sense of right and wrong. When we see an injustice committed against us or against another person, we naturally want to see it rectified and see the perpetrator held accountable. If we lived in a more perfect world, our sense of anger would be more temperate. And rather than desiring revenge, we would seek the good of all parties involved in each situation of injustice. That is, the perpetrators, the victims, and any family, friends, and loved ones involved. 
However, our feelings and our passions, especially anger, often become distorted by our own sinful tendencies, our own excesses. Oftentimes we act imprudently on our feelings of anger without first assessing the situation and trying to understand the truth. We are quick to judge and condemn before even taking the opportunity to examine the facts and make a prudent judgment. We often lose control of our anger and hurl insults and slander without considering our words and how they might be received by others. We should recall that we will be held accountable at our particular judgment, not only for every one of our actions, but also for every careless word that we utter. It is for this reason that it is incumbent on us to train ourselves in the virtue of temperance and to learn to control our anger. And whenever we talk about a topic such as anger, some might think that the feeling of anger itself is a sin. And it's important to clarify the distinction between anger as a feeling or a passion and anger as a sin. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church gives a nice explanation of the morality of the passions in paragraphs 1767 and 1768. And in 1767 it says, in themselves, passions are neither good nor evil. They are morally qualified only to the extent that they effectively engage reason and will. In other words, feelings of anger are neither good nor evil in themselves. It is quite natural to feel anger when someone says or does something offensive to us, or if we witness someone commit an injustice against another person. You know, if someone strikes us in the face for no reason, it's understandable to feel angry from that. However, we could be morally culpable if we intentionally do something to stir up anger in ourselves, such as in indulge in rage-baiting or rage-inducing media, which tends to incite anger towards certain people or certain groups of people. Then we might be culpable for that. And paragraph 1768 then discusses how the passions contribute to the morality of an action. It says, passions are morally good when they contribute to a good action, evil in the opposite case. The upright will orders the movements of the senses it appropriates to the good and to beatitude. An evil will succumbs to disordered passions and exacerbates them. Emotions and feelings can be taken up into the virtues or perverted by the vices. So in other words, feelings, emotions, or passions are morally neutral in themselves, but they can become sinful if they lead to a sinful action. They are virtuous if they lead to a virtuous action. So it is not the feeling of anger in itself that is sinful, but what we decide to say or do with it that determines the morality of the, of the feeling, you know, how it engages our reason and our will. And when Jesus speaks about anger or being angry with our brother, he is talking about the sin of anger and not just the feeling alone. Once again, the Catechism gives a helpful ex explanation of sinful anger and how it contrasts with righteous anger. 
Paragraph 2302 says, by recalling the commandments, you shall not kill, our Lord asked for peace of heart and denounced murderous anger and hatred as immoral. Anger is a desire for revenge. To desire vengeance in order to do evil to someone who should be punished is illicit. But it is praiseworthy to impose restitution to correct vices and maintain justice. If anger reaches the point of a deliberate desire to kill or seriously wound a neighbor, it is gravely against charity. It is a mortal sin. The Lord says, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. So the catechism equates sinful anger with a desire to do evil or to cause serious harm to another person. The catechism distinguishes this sinful desire from the legitimate desire to correct the vices of the offending person and to maintain justice. So there's a distinction there. In other words, it is entirely right and just for a person to be moved by their anger to seek a prison sentence for someone who has killed one of their loved ones. Granted that it is for the sake of the correction of the offender and that justice be maintained. However, we should not be moved by anger to seek revenge against another person, lest we incur sin as a result. And since our Lord shows mercy towards all sinners, including those who crucified him, while at the same time holding the guilty accountable for their sins, so likewise we are called as Christians to show mercy and even to go so far as to love our enemies. Paragraph 2303 of the Catechism teaches against the sin of hatred, which is sinful anger that is taken to an extreme. It says, deliberate hatred is contrary to charity. Hatred of the neighbor is a sin when one deliberately wishes him evil. Hatred of the neighbor is a grave sin when one deliberately desires him grave harm. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. If our anger leads us towards hatred for another person, then it is a good indication that our anger is moving us in the wrong direction. It is, it is time for us to bring our anger to prayer and to ask the Lord to sanctify our hearts and purify them of the sin of anger and of hatred. We need the Lord's grace to remove all, all hatred, bitterness, and resentment from our hearts, because these things are contrary to the virtue of charity and to the gospel. The heart of a Christian must be a heart that is free of unrighteous anger and hatred of other people. It should rather be filled with the love that can only come from Jesus Christ. And sometimes our anger might not go so far as desiring evil against another person, but perhaps it compels us to hurl insults, to slander, to detract, or to make rash judgments about them. So instead of killing them physically, we kill their reputation by revealing their faults to, to others unnecessarily, belittling them with insults, or uttering lies and slander against them. These, these also are sins that can come from sinful anger. 
If we find ourselves engaging in this sort of behavior, we need repentance and conversion. We should avail ourselves of the sacrament of penance and ask the Lord to help us with his grace, never to commit these sins again. We should then do what is in our power to repair any damage that we may have caused to another person's reputation. In fact, the Catechism teaches that we have a duty in conscience to make reparation publicly for sins of speech. But where it is impossible to do so publicly, then reparation must be made secretly. So we should take to heart what our Lord says today about anger and recognize our need to control it and to channel it into doing what is good rather than what is evil or sinful. We need to, act, to pray and to ask the Lord for the grace to avoid sinful anger and to control our words and our actions, allowing God's love to be our primary motivator rather than uncontrolled or unrighteous anger. We need his help to, do, to say or to do only the things that will help other people and not the things that will tear them down. As St. Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for edifying as fits the occasion that it may impart grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. <laughs>